Good morning, Tuesday morning. Hope you guys are having a great day. It's season two, episode five. In today's episode, Ben sits down with Hall of Fame high school football coach Dick Dolahan. Max preps top 50 greatest high school football coaches. Going to go into how to take over a new program, instilling confidence in your players, taking a program um, all the way to an elite level. He's going to talk about how to coach elite players all the way through uh, average players to those guys that really, really need build up. Uh, he's got all kinds of wisdom for us today. A man who has seen athletes practice at the peewee level all the way up to the NFL. It's going to be a great show. I hope you're ready for it. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and Zeke. Coach Dullahan, you've been around football for longer than a lot of our listeners have been alive. You've seen fads come and go. What are what are some of the things, though, that throughout all the years have, have never changed with the game of football? I would say one of the things that's never changed is that everybody who plays it plays it because they want to have fun and they have experienced in their life a, a situation, a time, a performance uh, when they were a member of a team and it was really exciting to them as a result of that experience they developed a confidence in themselves and the participation in football uh, is still very much the same as it was in the past I believe so you played at Butler coached at Purdue Army Chatard High School Carmel High School and then took over a, a Ben Davis high school program that had had 10 winning seasons over the last 40 years. What, what was kind of the, the mindset day one heading into that job? Well, I felt like I had been very fortunate that I got my experience at Purdue with Jim Young, who was a brilliant man, and he was a great leader of men in terms of confidence building and studied everything about the game. He taught me a whole bunch about the game. I had been a head football coach at the high school level for 11 years prior to that. And I realized after four years in college football that it was more fun being a head coach than it was being an assistant coach. I knew that it was going to take a bunch of years for me to develop into a head football coach at the collegiate level. So I decided that high school football was where Dick Dullahan belonged. And having had that head coaching experience before, then going and seeing firsthand how some of the best in the business, sure. Jim Young was doing it, and the co collegiate experience it was almost like I take four year sabbatical from high school football and work on my doctorate in football and a doctorate in watching young people grow and watching young people develop and and how to go about it. And as, along the road, with all these years of experience that I had, I learned some people teach you how to coach by their example. And some people teach you how not to coach by their example. And there's both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, You see it and you, you observe it. And then when you see the methods that are done at the collegiate level, 
and then you come back to the high school level, you really have a confidence in you that you know this will work. Sure. This will this will develop. These people will de- learn from this, and they will be better players and better people, and they'll have more confidence in themselves. And that that's interesting you keep bringing up the word confidence because talking with one of your old players, Jake Gilbert, that was the very first thing that he said about you as a coach was that you just – you had the ability to breed confidence into your players that you could you could paint a picture of success that everybody could see and everybody could believe in even when there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of external evidence to support that they should should really have that belief where did you start when you were trying to build the confidence of of a player you know it was obvious to me that strength development physical strength and mental confidence kind of would grow hand in hand. As your physical strength got better as an athlete, strength development was huge at Purdue. I was at Purdue in 1980, 81, and 82, and then 83, I was at the United States Military Academy at West Point. And I saw what strength development would do to a kid's confidence in his ability, the way he carried himself, the way he looked in a mirror and he was flexing in front of the mirror, uh, how he felt better about himself when he went to the field, how his first step quickness was developed because the mass of the body is moved in directions up, sideways, wherever, but the mass is moved by the muscles in the body and the reaction time that's developed through drill and drill and drill. So the strength development was the first step. That's where we started. When I went to Ben Davis, quite honestly, they didn't have a strength program that was really in the right direction. They were trying, but no one had ever really tapped into it and, and made it what it really should have been and how it could have been. And so, quite honestly, the principal and the athletic director at the time gave me almost a free hand to develop a strength program that would work and would help these young people to develop confidence in themselves. And along with that, I'm sure, came came your enthusiasm. I mean, anybody who knows you, that, that's something that sticks out, especially if they were ever at a BD camp. Mark Herman, um, All-American quarterback at Purdue, said that that was exactly what stood out about you in his mind. And so what, why was that so important, and where, where did that enthusiasm come from? We are a product of those that touch our lives. And I think God has been very good to me in the respect that he put people into my life that made me realize that making mistakes is okay. But it's not what you get for playing. It's what you become because you did it. And I had a baseball coach way back at Cathedral High School, a guy by the name of Tom O'Brien, who's still alive, and he's still a substitute teacher over at Indianapolis Cathedral High School. And Tom O'Brien, I was 0 for 17, my first 17 at-bats as a baseball player, as a sophomore in high school, playing third base varsity baseball, and I was lower than whale doo-doo under the ocean. <laughs> and uh, Tom O'Brien, I, I just grounded out. And I was at first base, and he was coaching first base, and and he put his arm around me, and he said, it's okay, little man. You just keep doing what you've been doing. You just keep fielding the ball. He said, those those 
those at bats will come and those hits will come and you'll be okay but you've got to you've just got to keep trying and don't give up and it was I needed it so badly I was yeah. just so upset because I was 0 for 17 and I here I am starting my first chance to be a varsity baseball player and and that's just an example of of the kind of people that touch your life and you got to listen you got to listen more than you talk and you got to listen and learn from those people that touch your life and thereby you try to discern which ones need to be listened to and which ones put it out of yeah. your mind you know what i'm saying Abs- yeah absolutely getting getting a little bit more into the 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 mental side of the game one of the things that uh, that I heard you say multiple times was that mental is to physical as three is to one. Where where did you where did you kind of see that? Bron Basevich was the head football coach at at Roger Bacon High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I heard him speak at a clinic one time, and he had a fantastic record. He was like three hundred and fifty four and forty eight losses, and he had been coaching forever. And he used to have weekly messages that he handed out. They were mimeographed pieces of paper. And his players would stop by his office every week, once a week. And he would give them a weekly message. And I know that it was probably on one of those weekly messages that I got that mental is to physical as three is to one. And your mind has got to be focused in on the learning learn and develop the skill because you learned how it's supposed to look what you chase perfection in order to achieve excellence but you know by your coach's example by your coach's videos by your you know what it's supposed to look like and once you have grasped what it's supposed to look like you chase that view you want to see yourself playing that way and performing that way and when when you feel it and and then the coach says that's it you got it you see it now and and then that fires the kid up yeah kind of that and, light bulb moment goes amen. on yeah yeah and or maybe it's he makes a fantastic play in a game he just happens to make this fantastic play and you make a big deal out of it and this is it guys we got it and they see it, and all the other players are just, they're wishing that they were that guy that this coach is trying to recognize as having found the the image, the vision that he's been chasing with all of his practice and all of his energy and effort. And that's when that person develops enough confidence that he's not afraid to try anything. And you got to be not afraid to try and, and lay it all out there and give it everything you got. And then be resilient and realize everybody makes mistakes. The greatest in the world make mistakes. Yep. Talking about the, that chase and perfection and knowing what the perfect, what the perfect form, the perfect technique looks like just reminded me of BD camp, obviously started in 1974 before I was even alive. Um, some all kinds of notable names that have come through. Sean Payton obviously attended for three years, coached there for eight, dozens of collegiate All Americans, numerous NFL players, and you know you just you saw hundreds of high school and middle school campers every single summer, and and chasing that same that perfection of technique. 
Um, you know, that being said, you, you've been on the sidelines at every level from middle school to the NFL. And in all of that experience, what, what do you think stood out as the biggest indicator of success for either an individual or a team? When, when could you look at them and say, they've got it? The, the ones that have been the best, they had some God-given talent. The, and, and all of a sudden, they figured out how to pursue the excellence, how to be humble enough to continue to listen and learn from coaching, to be humble enough not to get so stuck on themselves. I think sometimes our big-time basketball players get so much attention when they're younger and they start thinking that the sun rises and sets in their rear end and they stop <laughs> developing because they, they don't really think they need all the little stuff yeah. that they really do need. Yes, Because the way pro athletes play on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day it is, the way they play and the quality of their performance I think is directly proportional to the quality of their practice and how they attack it and how they chase the perfection. I've got a great story about Kobe Bryant that I would like to share Absolutely. with you. And this, this is a true story. Ed Schilling did not know who Kobe Bryant was because Kobe Bryant wasn't anybody at that time. He was a senior in high school. Yeah, And Kobe Bryant comes in to work out. Ed works him out for 45 minutes to an hour and worked him hard. And I mean hard. Had him really doing constant dribbling drills and passing drills and shooting drills and go, 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 go. He finished up and he said, I think that'll be enough, Kobe. And Kobe Bryant said, Coach Schilling, I really enjoyed those drills you put me through. Do you have any more that I could learn? Do you have any more that I could pick up from you? And Coach Schilling said, well, I've got to get you to a, pl a flight and I got to get you something to eat, but I think we might have 15 minutes or half an hour yet that we could, I could show you a few more. So he did show him a few more. Now the rest is history. Right. Think about it. What that kid was at 18 years old, he had a thirst for knowledge. You know, he, he wanted to be great. Right. Why did he want to be great? Somebody touched his life. Somebody made him hungry, hungry to learn, hungry to work. Somebody convinced him that no matter how great his God-given talent was, he needed to work if he was going to be as special as somebody had thought he was going to, he should be. Right. So what about the what about on the other side of the spectrum? You know, cause I've heard you say multiple times that if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. How do you, the kid that maybe obviously there, there's only one Kobe Bryant, but you know, the, the kid who's not the all-star on the team, he's not the star, but you know, we need this kid to perform on the field. How do you kind of put your arm around him and help him see what he's capable of? How do you help him believe in himself? You help him believe in himself by your sincere, you look him right in the eye and you can, you tell him the way it is, but you also tell him the things that you don't like. 
you have to in coaching our job is to make men out of boys and we got to realize what a valuable valuable thing that is to to mankind ours is the in my opinion it's the greatest profession in the world because we're shaping young people and we're shaping their confidence in themselves which pays off in everything they do the rest of their life i have so many athletes that played for me that are so successful and doing so well and corporate VPs and corporate presidents and CEOs and CFOs and unbelievable success in life because of, I think because of the lessons that they learned in the, in the lower grades, somebody touched their life and, and somebody convinced them that if I listen and if I do what I'm told, I got a chance to be great. And those young people are the ones, particularly in football, because we rely on so many players. Yeah, and different we, types. Yeah, We need so many. You know, we've got something for everybody. Yep. We got the short, fat kid can play some position. We got the gazelle athlete. We got the big, wide receiver. We got, we've got something for everybody in football, even yep. if he's a little bitty guy, but he's tough as nails. Right. And so our sport, we can, can touch lives easier because there's a place where that kid can feel that confidence and he can grow and boy when he gets jacked up they play way above their ability yeah what were some of the biggest struggles that you saw athletes dealing with just mainly with the the mental side of their game well there's so many times when they're not successful when they're learning and when they're developing they they and particularly when the opposition is really good and they experience getting their tail kicked. Yeah. Even on the practice field. Sure. Even when they're a pup and, you, and they're playing against the older guys. And I used to just praise my scout team guys and my, my special teams guys that were making a contribution to the, to the whole team effort and making sure that they realized how important that was that they don't get down on themselves they can't hey listen everybody else went through what you're going through everybody else had those days and those moments when they wish they could hide when they wish they could could crawl under a rock and not be seen because even though you failed you didn't quit you didn't give up you you hung in there you attack the situation, and I think that there's where coaching comes in as well because that's when the coach has got to put his arm on the shoulder like Tom O'Brien did to me, and he said, you're going to be okay, little man. It's all right. It's okay you failed. You know, again, I keep saying this, but it's not what you get for playing. It's what you become because you did it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I want to say that there was a stretch for a certain number of years where you guys went to a state championship every three years. Do you remember off the top of your head how long that, how long that was? No, uh, I really don't. But in 1987 and 88, we did win the state. And that was our fourth year at Ben Davis. 
and uh, excuse me, it was our third year at Ben Davis. We were 85, 86, and, and the third year, 87, we were able to, again, with a couple of players who had that confidence in themselves. Corey Harris was one who wound up in the NFL, played for the Baltimore Ravens, and played free safety, and he was our tailback at the time. Another guy was David Onay, who played at Indiana University. He was a walk-on football player, but he was just a tough, tough guy and and not tremendous athletes. Neither one of them was what you'd call a tremendous athlete, but they were successful because they just had that hard work and competitive spirit. And, and 87, 88, we won the state. 89, we got beat in the sectional by Carmel in 90 we won the state in 91 we won the state so we had those that four years that was the best stretch 90 and 92 we were runner-up so out of that five-year period we were either runner-up or state champion uh four times so it was it was a great time in in history of ben davison and i have to say that uh our strength development at that time because of my experience in college football and realizing that we were the first school that had a full-time strength coach and his name was Kevin Vanderbush and he's still at Ben Davis as their strength coach and he was fantastic a very very intelligent young man and he was a hard-working guy and he he helped our kids to develop their confidence with a great deal of mental training getting them to not focus on the negative, focus on the positive. He was way ahead of his time. He very, very hard worker, very, very intelligent and a reader, a person who read uh, every book he could find on strength development. And he, he did not coach a sport at Ben Davis for that whole time. He was, he was our strength coach and he taught in the elementary, but he ran the program after school and he also told me how to run the program in our in-class in weight class. In 1985 is when we started the strength program. And it was all kind of related. Uh, it, you know, I always say that God sent me great assistant coaches. God sent me guys that wanted uh, to help young people. And, and boy, there's nothing better than assistant coaches that they they're in it for the right reasons and they they work like crazy to help young people to find and conquer themselves because sometimes these young people they're their own worst enemy right you don't focus on the negative you focus on the positive put all the negative things out of your mind now it's it's in there and you remember it and it's a motivator you don't want to ever feel that again you want the memory is is a good thing that you remember it, but you sure don't focus on it. You don't dwell on it. Forget it and drive on. Yep. And I, I think, you know, everybody can relate to that time where the best class came through or the best athletes came through. But, you know, to hear to hear the continued success over a period of time, I think really what you talked about right at the beginning when you were saying – that what was what was really important was putting your arm around that scout team kid was having the relationship and having your eyes open and caring about those younger guys so that 
they're building. Not, you're not going to get anything out of it this year. It's not even maybe going to change their life this year, but you keep pouring into that freshman year after year after year, and all of a sudden you've got a senior who, you know, maybe in some other program didn't have the physical abilities to go out and be an all-star, but now because he has that such just that drive and that belief and that confidence in himself that all started with, the coach paying attention to him while he was running the other team's plays, I think, is incredible. It's exactly right. You you need relationships have to be developed. And I, one thing that was beautiful about my experience was that I saw my players for the 20 years that I was at Ben Davis High School as a head football coach. I saw my players virtually every day. And I got an opportunity to relate to them. And I know you may have some administrators that may be listening to this podcast. They need to understand how important it is that their head football coach, their head basketball coach, and if possible, all the other coaches, see their players and talk to their players, not just about their sport, right? but about their development. Right. Their, what kind of person? Are, are they getting better? Are they, you know... They like to hear that they're getting better, and you gotta you gotta share the wealth, you know. Absolutely. Let's let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, and talking, you talked about having great coaches, um, and obviously you were a phenomenal coach. Along with that success, and along with that pressure, and along with all the time and all the hours and things like that, you know, obviously there's there's some mental strain on the coaching side of things. Also, what were, what were some of the things that you saw? you know, either maybe that you had to deal with or that other coaches have had to deal with um, kind of that goes along with the pressures of and the the demands of being a coach? That's a big question. We could go, we could go a lot of places there with it. Uh, one of the things that I think a coach has to have is he's got to have a terrific wife. I mean, if you're going to have a family as a coach and, and, help your children develop like you're helping other people's children you have to have time to spend and if we've done anything wrong in our sports is we've overemphasized the amount of time that's necessary and we haven't left them with opportunities to develop in other areas where we didn't have to supervise them i lived in a blessed area era if you will because I wanted my players to play as many sports as they could for as long as they could. I wanted them to have other experiences for, to deal with other coaches. I wanted other coaches to help me in their confidence development. Yeah. I thought that that would be very valuable. Yeah. And I wanted the, th- those experiences. And so I think that if, if anything, this era of specialization has made it more and more difficult for the coaches to get out of their players what they want because he's heard you say these things a thousand times. And let's let somebody else say it and say, oh, that's what Coach Ta- Coach Delahan was talking about. Sure. That, that's what Coach Carnes was talking about. Uh, you know, I get it now. Yeah, I get it. And so all of a sudden, this guy comes back to you in your sport he he! All he wants to do is play. I'm ready, baby. Yeah. Let me let me attack this situation. Yeah. Because I got this. 
I mean, I had James Banks, who was a three-sport athlete at Ben Davis. And I'm going to tell you something. James Banks, he loved competition. He wanted to play all the time. Confidence. He, he oozed confidence. He, he didn't care. I mean, he might fail. He'd be, he'd be down on the turf at the state championship game after he just threw an interception for a touchdown. And he, he, he was, but he was over it. I walked up to him and I said, look, I said, you're going to score two or three more times in this game. I said, don't worry about that play you just gave up. It's okay. And he jumped up and he went out there and did his thing. As we wrap up here, I've got two more questions for you. The first one is this. My son's four years old. What's the the single biggest piece of advice, knowing what you know now, what would you pass on to four-year-old Hunter? I would say to Hunter, for example, when he's up on an ottoman, that's maybe a little bit higher than you're, you're afraid he may hurt himself when he says, watch daddy, and he wants to jump off. Well, if you d- truly believe that it's dangerous, just have him jump onto the couch and pull the ottoman up close. Try to push him to experience success, breed success, and praise him when they do a good job. And then also, when you see him maybe doing something that's too dangerous, you look at him and say, now, Hunter, I don't like that. That's not good for you. I want what's best for you. And you know that. So it's okay. Get back down and let's try something else. And then the last one, Coach. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give a brand new coach right out of college? Well, the first thing that I would... I would say is if you choose to go directly into high school, coach multiple sports. It's a chance to to expand your knowledge because there is carryover from all of the sports. Coach as many sports as you can for as long as you can. And if you're going straight into college coaching, yes, expand your knowledge, but expand the knowledge of all positions as quickly as possible. Ask the coach to allow you to work with a different spot. And I say that for high school coaches too and young coaches starting out. Learn as many positions as you can. Another thing that I would say is work camps. Work football camps. Watch coaches that have been in it for a long time and not only watch the drills and learn the drills, listen to the corrections because the essence of coaching is the correction of errors. And I believe that where you get the ability to correct that error, where it came from, really doesn't matter. You want to be that guy who can fix the problems and fix them quickly and easily because I had the blessing of watching so many coaches, as you mentioned earlier, with with. Uh, John Makovic at Wake Forest University in the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, and Sean Payton and J.R. Bishop and, and all the many coaches that I watched coach. What I saw was I saw ways to teach. Morris Watts at Indiana University, terrific. Terry Hepner at Indiana, when he, when he was at Franklin College, way back in the day. John Moses, a guy from Tipton High School who wound up coaching at the University of Evansville, who was a tremendous 
high school coach, tremendous teacher. Well, you watch these guys teach and you say, oh man, that is cool. That is good. I love it. And you, it, fit, it sticks in your brain. And then when you see that on part of one of your athletes, it's easy to make the corrections. You can make the corrections because you've seen it corrected by people who you know. They know what they're talking about. That's good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Coach Delahan, for your time. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for all the, the lives that you've touched, the hard work that you've put in, and the knowledge and wisdom you shared with us tonight. Thank you so much. It was really, really fun. I appreciate Coach D coming down. What a great interview you guys had. That was. I I love the – he just – he instantly started with instilling confidence into his players. And, you know, when I I asked one of his former players, Jake Gilbert, hey, what stood out to you? What what do you really remember about Coach D? It was that. It was that. And he talked just about the next step was being physical. You know, like he said, he went into his first job. And the, one of the first things he did was we got to get our guys in there. We got to get stronger uh, and the physical development, how big of a piece that was. Cause and, and brought in a new person to oversee it and to right. run it. That's how important he saw it was. And you see that. Uh, the next thing we talked about that was that stood out to me was coaching with enthusiasm. Right. And any, anybody that knows Coach Dullahan <laughs> that knows that. I mean, they, they've seen it. He just if, he lives there. If he says – we're starting our workouts at 8 a.m. <laughs> at 7.50. He's screaming at all the kids. Yep. Let's go. It's time to get going. He was he was not kidding around. And, and when you ask him where it came from, I mean, you know, the first thing he went back to was relationships with past coaches. He said, we're a product of those who touch our lives. And that that very next part was making mistakes is okay. That high school baseball coach that put his arm around him a long time ago and said, "Hey, just keep going, man." That was that was huge. That that was a huge thing that stuck with coach the rest of his life. You know what's so important with that is you never know the impact you're going to have on a kid. Yeah. That coach probably had no idea who Dick Dolahan was or what he's going to become. Uh, that's so important our words on kids every single day because they pick up on the most random stuff and that's what stays with them for eternity. Right. I love that he. I love that he said the quote: "Mental is to physical as three is to one." I've, I've heard him say it all the time, but it was cool to hear that. You know that was that was from way back early in his coaching career. That just something that he picked up from another coach at another school. But you know, after this long, incredible career, right, still believes probably even more so now how important that is. Yep, you chase perfection in order to achieve excellence, and and what sticks out to me with that is we we always are on getting after perfect reps uh, but in reality probably not going to be perfect and that's all right but it goes back to what we've talked about about optimistic perfection if you keep working and working and working towards perfection if you don't reach it that step below it's going to be excellence and think i mean think about a sport like golf think about a sport like baseball giving up hits yep. striking out yeah and you got to be able to bounce back from those things and it's not going to be perfect talking about the greatest players that he ever had, the greatest teams he ever had, started with some guys that just had some God-given talent. Yep. But they were humble enough. The, the key there was they were humble enough that they wanted more coaching. And, you know, that goes right into his story about Kobe Bryant, which I think is appropriate to talk about. You know, Kobe was just 
such a huge impact in so many people's lives all across this country and just his character and who he was going Mm -hmm. back to the story with his former son-in-law that was a scout for the Memphis Grizzlies and worked Kobe out and just what what a cool story always wanting more yeah that was just that was why it was great we we see that in all these different documentaries and stuff that people are showing but this guy saw this as a young young basketball player Kobe Bryant just wanting more he put him through those drills and when they're done Kobe's like hey I like these drills can can you show me some more of them and that's just that was his drive what was so great with Kobe it's he did have that god-given talent but he was humble like you said and worked and worked and worked but he wasn't some freak of nature uh physically you know but he just he always wanted more he never thought it was good he always chased that perfection like we talked about and uh, what he fell back on was a pretty good career yeah to say the (laughs) least you know but and then went straight into but most of us aren't coaching kobe right There, there was only there was only one. And yes, we're going to have those guys that come along every once in a while that are just game changers. But I mean, you go back to that span where year after year after year, I think it was four times in five years, they either won state or they went to state. I mean, that that's not just one group of really talented guys. Right. That, that was the part about how are we going to help this athlete that doesn't believe in himself? How are we going to help this athlete who's kind of average and we got to get him playing at the very top of his potential. And that was the, the arm around the scout player story, you know, just praising those guys, loving on those guys, making them feel like they're a huge part of this. And you never know what, what relationship or what that relationship is going to turn into what that kid physically and mentally is going to be able to do. Once he really believes in himself, the thing that stuck with me the most from the time that I recorded this and we, we had that initial conversation till you and I sat down to do this and record this this last part here mm-hmm. was the was the story about what would you tell Hunter? And, I, and he, he said, you know what, you want to push your kids to experience success. And he was talking about Hunter standing up on top of the Ottoman and I I was picturing Hunter standing on top of the Ottoman and what do I do? Hunter, get down. Hunter, get down. Hunter, don't do that. Like I feel I feel like that that was a challenge for me. I sitting down here with Coach D, I, I wasn't expecting to get parenting advice. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that's I mean, for another episode. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, that that stuck with me. Like how many how many times have I been, you know, positive working with a quarterback or working with a golfer and telling them, Hey, you can do this. I know that you failed, but you can you can keep achieving, you can keep a reaching more. But with my own son, sometimes all I do is say, no, don't do that. Hey, get down. No, you can't swing that baseball bat inside the house. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know what I mean? Rather than just, well, how can he be successful? How can he jump off the ottoman and right. not, not break his six-month-old sister or Absolutely. Not, not shatter a window or, or something like that? And it's okay to fail. That means you're pushing yourself to an extreme, and that's where the learning's happening. And you know, okay, here's what I have to do to be better and to learn and be successful from it. All right, that wraps it up with Coach D again. Appreciate him stopping by and uh, chatting. What what great wisdom just to, to share with us. And definitely somebody that all of us can learn from. Super excited about the next episode. Uh, we're going to be sitting down with Dodgers prospect Ryan Pepio, uh, drafted in the third round of the 2019 draft by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, just sharing some experience about things that he uses on the mound, 
the high school, college, professional level? What what are the different things that you got to deal with on there? P- pretty excited about uh, episode six. You think that um, being a pitcher right in the major leagues is a mental challenge? <laughs> Is there a position in baseball that's not? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Hey, well, thank you guys so much for joining us here in Season 2. As always, check out mentaltrainingplan.com for some more resources that we've got for you. We love to hear from you. As we always say, reach out to us on the social media. Check us out at mentaltrplan. Hit us up with the hashtag plan and execute. Hey, and in the meantime, make your plan and put it to work.